Listen in as Mason Van Meter goes deep on emotional intelligence and why it's not relevant to your business success. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to the Do Zone. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Cheryl Sandberg, DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas, super glad to have you here. Be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Make sure you don't miss another episode of The Do Zone. This podcast is brought to you by Unbreakable Teams. We help entrepreneurs build the systems they need to crush their goals, the teams they need to execute those systems, and the accountability they need to make sure it all gets done. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, and you know you can't do it alone, go to unbreakableteams.com now. Once again, that's unbreakableteams.com. Today's guest is Mason Van Meter. He helps insurance agents build wildly profitable businesses and change their lives. He works with the human brain to rewire it to best suit the people that he works with. Mason, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. What's up, guys? So the key to getting things done that most people would not think of is really emotional intelligence. It's being able to process your emotions and act regardless of how you feel. Nice. So tell me more about act regardless of how you feel, because I think most human beings have trouble separating those two things. That's the problem. <laughs> especially in business because they try to fix things in order to make themselves feel better regardless of how i feel the business doesn't care it needs inputs and outputs that's truly all it is mm. that's that's all it is it doesn't care how you feel that's irrelevant i build things to work not to make myself feel better <laughs> the business needs inputs and outputs it doesn't care how you feel and and so Give me a couple of examples, like maybe just some some low-hanging fruit of situations that most business owners and entrepreneurs find themselves in where they're making emotional decisions, not necessarily strategic business decisions. Getting CRMs at the very beginning, they try to make everything perfect. I have to have the perfect funnel. I have to have all of my inventory in place. It's There's just a couple examples right there. Like I started with nothing. It was just like, how can I get the fastest turnaround as possible. Right. That makes can a lot of it later. Let's just get money coming in because that will solve your problems. Yeah. Healthy lead flow and sales solves almost every problem that you run into. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of study and there's a lot of science behind the emotions of what keeps people uh, kind of, in this zone of not taking the action, not making that decision. A lot of it has to do with risk avoidance and uh, minimizing threats, those sorts of things, real or perceived, but it all happens kind of up here in the brain and it goes back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years to where we were trying not to get mauled by 
saber tooth tigers and those sorts of things. Have you have you done any kind of deep dive studies into why why that happens so that we can know better how to overcome them? Oh, a hundred percent. Health health is one of the biggest factors. We are now naturally. more testosterone deficient than men 50 years ago. That's just a fact for men. On average, the testosterone rates have decreased by 1% a year on average across all men for the last 50 years. And that decreases your risk tolerance. You can't handle stress as well. You start acting like a feminine little girl. Like my feelings, my feelings, my feelings. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I mean, has there has there been any kind of theories about why our testosterone it, levels are a dropping? A lot of it can be EMF. Look at the electrical grid that was built in the last 50 years. We didn't have iPhones 50 years ago. But like, I started off as a machinist and a mechanic five years straight out of high school. And I went into vibration analysis. And I started studying like the work of Nikola Tesla, studying all this frequency, energy, and vibration and the effects it has. And it's like, I can predict when a motor is going to fail all of that stuff by reading a chart, but it's like no one ever studies the biological effects that having a cell phone just sitting in your pocket does look at the breast cancer rates for all these women who just walk around with their like phone in their bra or in their back pocket. And they have this huge pocket of radiation. Hmm. That's, that's one of the most terrifying things, but people sit glued to a TV. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> well, you you certainly speaking my language here. There's a there's a book. Uh, there's a lady named Loretta Bruning, and she has a book called Habits of the Happy Brain, uh, which happens to just be uh, one of the one of the best ideas that I've ever heard. But it but it but it explores this idea that you're that you're talking about with people making those decisions based on emotions and, and separating from that. So from a business perspective, you're saying. Look, you got to think about inputs and outputs. You can't let your emotions get in the way. But for a typical human being, we may struggle to do that for one reason or another. And I'm and I'm curious, do you have any suggestions for somebody that like, man, I'm I get you. I man, Mason, I hear you, but I need some help. What are what are some things that you've found that kind of bridge that gap? Since we're not talking about anything specific, I am going to be talking in generalizations unless you give me like a specific example. So Okay. A lot of it just comes down to the difference of doing what you feel is best or doing what you like you feel is your best versus doing what is actually required. You might feel that doing a hundred calls a day is like top of the line. It's the best you can do. But if the business requires 300 calls a day, that's two totally different things. Mm. It's like you feel like you're working hard, but in terms of actual productivity and efficiency, you're not doing what's required. A lot of it just comes down to doing what you do not want to do. And when you get really good at it, you can do it like you love doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. That's it. You're you're referencing, uh, there's a, uh, a couple of, you're, you're, you're saying things that I've been studying for a long time. Uh, there's a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. It's right there on my shelf. And uh, he talks about this concept of motion versus action. And- we feel like we're getting things done, but what we're really doing is we're just creating motion. The only thing that creates results, though, is not that motion, but it's action. Action creates results. Motion just creates noise. And that's kind of what you're right. referencing there. Like, I feel like I'm doing my best, but I'm not doing what's required to actually create the result. 
Correct. And so, and so the first step from what I heard from you is first identify what is required to have to be done and make sure that you're doing that thing. And now okay, if you do that, just like, planning. just, I'm sorry, go ahead. It just takes a little bit of planning. Like mm -hmm. people see other people have things that they want and they'll say, oh, it must be nice to have that really nice car or house. And they go right back to the cell phone. It's like they never work out how they got it or the hours they spent working to buy a million dollar house. Hmm. It's like that yeah. you don't actually plan. There's no deductive thinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that probably, that probably nails it down the best in the best way possible. So if we're, if we're looking to separate our emotions from our logic, we first have to just figure out what is required in order for the result to happen here. And, and I think that's a great distinction that you brought up. What is actually required here and are you doing it? And if the answer is no, revise and repeat. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't matter how you feel. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about uh, what what got you into, uh, I know that you you are uh, definitely into how the brain works and you've done quite a bit of studying on that. Uh, and, um, you know, tell me what got you into that to, to begin with. Neuroscience, like it's Tony Robbins kind of led me down this rabbit hole. I watched a movie when it first came out. I've studied the brain since I was like 15. I was always locked in the apartment, babysitting my little brother and sister. Video games got really boring really quick. So I just Google stuff. I learned how to hack like software, Linux, all that stuff, programming. And then I learned all about how the brain operates. I wanted to learn like why people behaved in certain ways. I wanted to understand why the world worked the way it did. I wanted to understand people's behavior. Like all that, like inner, like it was just so interesting to me. And I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I love like electricity and frequency and all. I think it's super interesting. Tesla's like YouTube videos caught me at a very young age. And then over time, it just got more and more intriguing as I became a more critical and critical thinker. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know that you've become somewhat of an expert on the unconscious mind. You know, what are, what are some revelations that you found from that? Two people can have two totally different meanings from the same thing, which tells me reality is not the words you use to describe the event that you see. Like the event itself is different from the information you got from seeing it and how you describe it with words. And it's like, how do symbol is like, how do bits of information, we process 11 to 15 million bits of information per second, unconsciously, it's like that every second, 13 million bits of information, roughly, mm -hmm. that goes from our right brain hemisphere to our left brain hemisphere, and it packages it in easy to understand words. Mm -hmm. We use right. those to describe events and experiences. It's how we break them down simply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, that was something that was crazy to me, but like you, you can completely rewire your brain in 90 days. And, and how would you, uh, how would you go about doing something like that? And what would you, when you say rewire it, rewire it to think differently, to behave 100%, differently, behave differently. It's all electrical signals. It's all electrical impulses, thoughts, trauma, and toxins all create measurable electrical responses, like their own frequencies. This is the power of thought. 
So when you hear these like people say all prayer wars, all prayer warriors needed, I believe in that stuff fully because I've seen some crazy things happen in this world that I cannot understand. But like I understand scalar waves versus actual electricity that we can see like a bolt of lightning. That stuff is completely one thing, but I love hypnosis. Hmm. You can completely reform all, you can build new neurological pathways in 90 days and make it autonomous. After 90 days, it becomes autonomous. You do the same thing in the same way for 90 days, it becomes autonomous. And it's neuroplasticity taking over to where uncom like uncomfortable becomes comfortable. People just don't want to wait 90 days. They want it now. I can I can attest to that. I I have a conversation uh, uh, occasionally. I was a I was a smoker for almost two decades of my life, and uh, for for the first half of it, I just wanted to smoke. For the second half of it, I was just smoking because I wanted to avoid the discomfort of not smoking. And so I finally got to this point to where I was just like, you know what? I don't want this to define me anymore. I would rather have the discomfort of not smoking than the discomfort of being a smoker. And I made the decision and I, like, I worked, I got the vape and I worked down the nicotine levels. And then I got to this point to where it was like, all right, it's time to go down to zero. And it was awkward for about three weeks. It was like, ah, you know, like, should I bring something with On me? average, it's 26 days. That's the confusion yeah. period of a new habit. 26 yeah. days. That's, it's confusing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, it was awkward. It was like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about not having nicotine handy. I've had, I've had some form of nicotine in my body for like 25 years. And then all of a sudden I, I got about three weeks in and it was like, I don't need this anymore. And that's when I realized that I smoked for about 15 extra years than I really wanted to so that I could avoid this three week window of discomfort. That three weeks of discomfort cost me probably years of my life. I'll never get those back. That's a crazy. And so you really right. onto something there. We, now, we want to avoid that discomfort. Smoking. I've helped a lot of people quit smoking with hypnosis, timeline therapy, a lot of that stuff. But it really comes down just to making a decision and sticking mm -hmm. with it. Because I think as humans, we're all addicted to something. Mm -hmm. I'm addicted to learning about the brain. I'm addicted to really great conversations. I cannot have surface level conversations. That's why I don't go to holidays. I don't celebrate Christmas with my family because it's all nitpicking about shit that doesn't matter. Aunt Susie's <laughs> telling me to eat that extra burger. It's like, screw you. Like you're, you're 400 pounds woman. <laughs> so back to a, back to another point that, that you had made earlier about, uh, about kind of the, the energy of, of, of another person I have heard, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but I have heard that people emit a, an electrical field an within 10, 15 feet of themselves. And so, and you feel this sometimes when somebody walks in the room and the energy changes, that's you're entering their field or they're bringing you into their field. Have you, have you, uh, have you researched that? Do you have any thoughts yeah, about that? You can actually see them. I have a pair of dicyanin goggles where you can see people's aura. And what you're talking about is people's body, especially really confident, like alpha male type dudes, really dominant personalities. You know, when a group of like mafia members walk in the restaurant, you're like, there's a group of killers in my vicinity. 
It mm. engages your parasympathetic nervous system. But back when dicyanin goggles were made for night vision goggles to see auras, go go do some studies on that because people saw some pretty crazy shit. Electrical disturbances that were perceived as demons, all kinds of stuff, dude. But it like you can actually see these with the human eye through dicyanin goggles. So yes, your body emits particles, which are particles or waves, all that stuff. I'm not going to go into a huge rabbit hole of sure. energy. It's just, it will go over most people's heads. They don't care. But <laughs> yes, it does emit a field and these are scalar waves. Now here's the crazy thing about that. Nikola Tesla calls all the energy and electricity that we use today to power like motors. He calls it like retarded energy. Don't think about that word in negative connotation. It's just what he said. It's retarded energy. It's so slowed down. Hmm. What HAARP and HARP, I'm not sure if you've seen that new device they built out in the middle of the ocean that can cause earthquakes and hurricanes. No. But it is so crazy. One cubic foot of scalar or ethereal energy can run the whole United States for a whole day. A cubic wow. foot of ethereal energy can power the whole United States for one day. The stuff has been proven. It's it's insane. It is truly insane. Like most people don't even know that restaurants have a device that sends out an electrical signal, a certain frequency to increase table turnover. It gets you to eat faster by engaging certain limbic systems in your hypothalamus in your brain to increase table turnover. You eat faster, they get more customers in. Wow. How crazy is that? That's pretty crazy. I didn't know that existed. That sounds like some science fiction stuff, man. This stuff's been around since the 1940s and 50s. It's just not talked about anymore because no one cares. <laughs> Fascinating. You know, you speaking of of, of brain studies, uh, your your brain's pretty interesting to me. Let's get into the new zone diagnostic here and uh, ask you a couple of questions about how you operate. Are you ready? Sure. Let's go. Awesome. So uh, number one, Mason, what's one thing that you do daily that keeps you focused on your goals? It's really just being disciplined. I do what I do not want to do regardless of how I feel. That's really all it is. Nice. And and how do you get back on track when you sometimes lose that focus? I try to limit distractions as much as possible. Like I have a virtual, I have a couple of virtual assistants. One pretends to be me on social media. I have one that engages with all my text messages and stuff. I had my phone carrier reroute them all to his phone before they came to me, except for certain contacts in the event of an emergency. But for the most part, the phone is away from me and I, I stay focused. Nice. I just stay focused. I just stay ingrained. I love it. And, and who is your support group? Uh, and how do they keep you accountable? What do you mean by support group? Just to make sure I can answer this correctly. Yes, yeah, certainly. So uh, who do you who do you lean on that that really helps you get to the next level and pushes you forward? I have a coach uh, named Nico Moreno. He's pretty cool, but for the most part, ninety percent of it is all me. I ask myself questions and come to the best possible conclusion and do what I think is going to get the best results. But then I'll run that by him just to make sure it's what he would do. Mm -hmm. But I trust myself. Everyone has the resources they need to be successful. They just don't want to accept that accountability and ownership. Well said. And and uh, Mason, how do you approach a difficult project that you're not really sure how to complete? Just general example or just broad, just speaking broad? Yep. 
I just look at it through a different lens, like someone who's already solved this problem, what would they do? And I sometimes I just let the seven-year-old come out of me before the school system fucked him up. Like, what would a seven-year-old do in this position? Well, he would label it as easy, fun, whatever, regardless if it is. I don't, I, even at the gym, I don't call heavy weight, heavy weight. I say, this is lightweight. Hmm. Nice. But I just list out all the steps I think would be required of solving this problem and what this problem is going to lead to. I always list out sequences of problems. Mm -hmm. Got it. If something Classic. doesn't work, I'll go back to the drawing board, but at least I tried something. That's right. Last question. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time? Is your listener base mostly men or women? Uh, I would say we lean towards male entrepreneurs. And can you ask that question one more time? Certainly. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time? Stay off the internet porn. Sacrifice your 20s. Leave these women alone. Western society has fallen. Leave the women alone. I promise you, you'll have them later in life. Focus on you right now and getting as much done as possible. Like just go stack up wins. Go talk to a lot of people and network and solve their problems. Like bring value. Like be a productive member of society. I love it. That's it. Stay stay away from the holiday bullshit. Most people don't even know why they're celebrating it. <laughs> That's some real talk right there. Yeah. We just got past the Super Bowl. I'm not a sports fan. But no, it was I wish just... the UFOs would have came and picked the stadium up and drove it away. <laughs> like, get it the hell out of here. <laughs> That's like, right. Beyond, like Rihanna. <laughs> yep. What? There you go. Yep. So, so talk to me a little bit about, uh, I know that uh, you are helping insurance agents build businesses. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I sold insurance for two years. I did extremely well with that and leveraged a lot of organic marketing. So now I'm really just coaching insurance agents, consulting them, whatever you want to call them on the same steps that I take still today, because the same rules apply to my coaching business as it did selling insurance. And I just give them the same frameworks because I spent a quarter million dollars over the last year and a half on coaching, consulting, masterminds. I've Burn so much money just to learn mistakes. I've learned what not to do for the majority of that money. There was a couple coaches who got me ex like disproportionate results, but it's like I bought their years of experience. They're 20, 30 years ahead of me. So now I have hundreds of years of experience that no one else does simply because I paid for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so the short share that with them. Yeah, one one way or another, one way or another, you're going to pay for things. You're either going to pay for it with money or with blood. You get to decide what you have more of or what yeah, you. Yeah, how, how much do you want to leak out? How long do you want to bleed? <laughs> like, why, why you want to take 15 years to solve a three week problem? That's that's 99 percent of people. So that's why I love hypnosis is because it completely gets rid of all the limiting beliefs and they're operating on fresh, updated hardware. That's mm -hmm. it. New generation is taking over technology deep, like it doubles every 18 months. You might as well use it or you can get swept away with the curve. It's survival of the fittest. It's eat or be eaten. We live in an ultra competitive world. And if you don't want it as bad as you say you want it, there's someone out there outworking me right now. Mm -hmm. 
someone's like, I'm not doing podcast. I personally, I like to sacrifice because I like having conversations like this. I love meeting new people. Right. But it's like someone out there might be doing like seeing what I'm doing. And it's like, I'm going to do this, this, that he's learning from me. Cause I'm kind of first to market with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how uh, our reality is formed by the people and the things that we see around us. And that reality doesn't really change until it gets challenged. It gets challenged by something we're not ready for. Uh, you know, I've I've walked through many different steps of the entrepreneurial journey. And when I was surrounded by broke people and wannabes, that's oh. what I was and that's what I felt. And then I saw somebody that didn't do that. And I was like, well, what's that? I want to, what are you doing? I want to be like you. And so I started being like them. And then here there was there was a moment where I realized there's an infinite scale above wherever you are. Because I was with at the time, this was almost 10 years ago. I was working for one of the most successful and influential people that I had ever known. And I worked my way into being like his number one guy. And, and I loved my position. I loved my job. And I, I loved the opportunity that was created. And then one time uh, he hosted an event where he brought a guy in named Richard Kosh. And Richard Kosh, if you are not familiar, uh, he's the author of a book called The 80-20 Principle. And, uh, and so he brings in Richard Kosh to be a guest speaker at his event, like basically the keynote speaker. And I'm organizing this event and, you know, Richard is there and like, he loved burgers. I was basically his handler, right? He's like, Josh, can you get me another American burger? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. You know, fascinating dude. So we're sitting in a meeting and, uh, you know, this guy's running a successful company. It's like internet marketing and consulting and stuff. And I'll, I'll leave out the specifics because it's not my company and I don't want to like, but we're having a conversation about business opportunities. And one of the things that Richard said was like, we were looking for a partnership kind of thing, you know? And one of the things that Richard said was like, I just can't believe I'm going to drop the British accent for this one. I just can't believe that you guys do so much work for so little revenue. <laughs> And he's like, that doesn't interest me at all. And here's, this is a dude that like, he lives in Portugal every day at like three o'clock, he goes on a bike ride through, through his little city and whatever it is, if, if you went all the way to Portugal to visit him in his giant house, he would stop. If it's three o'clock, he would be like, I'm going to go on a bike ride now. I'll see you later. And he's like living his life. And then he comes over, like they fly him over, they pay him all this money and we're presenting this business and it's a multi-million dollar business, you know? And he's like, you guys are working way harder than I want to work. And that's where I realized like, there is no limit. You got to surround yourself with the people that are thinking differently or you're going to be stuck doing the same thing all over. That's, that's what I mean though. Most people do not plan like that. I knew this industry was very high leverage simply because I sold insurance in it. But it's like, let me write out a plan. Let me calculate all the LTVs. Let me see the potential opportunity size in this trillion dollar industry. And it's like, I made all my plan. I wrote out every single list of problems that an insurance agent has simply because I've worked with hundreds of them before I even started the company. Mm -hmm. It's like, I had everything I needed. 
And that's why I had such a successful launch. That's right. That's like awesome. Most people just don't want to do the groundwork. And that's not trying to brag on myself. I just want to show people like, it's not that fucking hard. Yeah. You're just letting your feelings get in the way. <laughs> that's right. Taking it right, right back full circle to the beginning of the conversation. I love it. And so, so, uh, two questions. Number one, if there is, if there is an insurance agent or a potential insurance agent that's listening to this podcast, aside from you got to take action, stop worrying about your feelings. Can you give one relevant juicy tip that how do I solve the biggest problem? Let's say, how do I, how do I generate enough leads and enough business in the first year to where I can be successful? What would be your number one pro tip for that? You got to, you got to generate sales. And if you can do marketing, I love networking events. Like go to your local chamber of commerce because you're going to find people that you can network with. And it takes time to build quality relationships with them. It takes time. You have to truly bring the value. And if you don't have the value, that's your fault. It's your job to go build it up as a man, but go talk to divorce attorneys, go talk to like real estate people who are selling houses to people whatever, what better person to sell a mortgage protection policy to? Estate planners, they're working with people who are about to die. Like go talk to people who already have a huge book of business with your target audience and incentivize that relationship. People say transactional relationships are bad. Every relationship is transactional. Hmm. If someone's punishing you, you're not going to stay in the relationship very long. Hmm. That's right. So go to networking events. That costs you nothing to be a part of Chamber of Commerce. Banks have events. And most of those people are idiots with money anyways. They'll send you tons of referrals. <laughs> Good. Let's just be real. Society is crumbling. So it's not that hard to get one leg up above the competition. Yep. That's right. And and so uh, the last question here is if, if somebody wants to connect with you, uh, how can they learn more about you and what you offer? You know, who's a good kind of target client for you? My target client is any insurance agent who is actually serious, like who is so miserable with their existence and their failed business model that they are ready to actually change it. Or the person who's already hit a couple home runs and they want to take it to the next level. The people who have gotten complacent with making a couple tens of thousands a month and want to double or triple that, if you're already a seven, I can take you to a nine easier than I can take a four to like a five or a six. Hmm. The better agent you are, the more I can help you out because you've already had some level of success. How you can reach me, shoot me a text message. My assistant will route you through if you're serious. Can I drop my cell phone number on here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's 270-724-3633. Or just search Mason Van Meter. And if you don't, you'll see me around soon enough. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. And uh uh you've got a you've got a website too, right? Yeah, they can go to https. Make sure you put the S in there, runningbuddies.life slash new agent. Or like I said, just search search me on social media anywhere you will find me. And you'll get sucked into the black hole of a funnel or something. <laughs> and you won't. But I truly want to help. These let people. you go until you buy, die, or take out a restraining order. 
Most of my clients told me no nine months ago, eight, nine months ago. Now they're coming in. They're broke from not listening to me. And now they're having to take out loans, but they're so excited and so committed. And then I get to solve their real problems. They're either suicidal, depressed. They have a pornography addiction. As soon as we get rid of those, they just start fixing things on their own. It's insane. It's right. insane. Yeah. Well said. Well, Mason Van Meter, uh, one of the most unique conversations that we've had on here. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing a little bit about uh, how you think, how you operate, how you get things done. One more time, you said that uh, people can reach out on your cell phone number. What was that cell phone number one more time? 270-724-3633. Excellent. If you are a uh, life insurance agent and you're looking to uh, you're tired of the situation that you're in and you're looking to grow and break through, you can reach out to Mason Van, Van Meter and you can also visit his website, runningbuddies.life slash new agent. Uh, we're going to wrap from here. Thanks so much again to Mason for coming on here and sharing his wisdom. You can connect with him again at runningbuddies.life slash new agent. And if you want to keep, keep hearing great content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Do Zone podcast on Apple or Spotify. One last reminder, if you do run a business that is stalling out and you're looking for a boost, for less than it costs to take your staff out to lunch, we got your back. Visit unbreakableteams.com to learn more. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend. Screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories. Smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com.